listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. You can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6 and our ushers are coming forward with Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible this morning, I encourage you. If you left it at home or you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to take a Bible this morning to use it. And if you do not have a Bible at home that you can use on a regular basis, please take that Bible with you as our gift to you. We believe strongly in the Word of God, and so we love making Bibles available for you to be able to follow along in the Sunday morning message and encourage you, if you have your Bibles at home, bring them so that you can follow along, study along, you can underline, highlight, you can take notes in a journal or on the connection card that you received when you came in so that we can learn together and sharpen and grow and be challenged, not just in our time here this morning, but throughout the course of this week. So Matthew chapter 6, we'll be looking at some verses there in a moment. A few weeks before Christmas, uh, on the night our small group was gathering together for a potluck, it was a busy day, a hectic day, and and now getting things ready for the potluck, uh, I got a text message from our son Nate saying that he was at work and that the vehicle that he was driving was dead. It wasn't working, and and he figured it needed a boost, and I thought, yeah, that's probably right. And so I, I thought, well, I've got a few moments, and so I, I rushed over to his workplace and, and uh, thought, well, I'm going to give it a boost and see if we can't get this this dead car going once again. He wasn't far away, thought it would be easy, and and I was in a hurry. You have to understand, I was in a big hurry. It was dark. Um, I'm making excuses right now. And as that was happening, as I, I, I pulled the truck up to his vehicle and got the booster cables out, I did something I've, I've done many, many times. And I have openly and inwardly laughed at, ridiculed, possibly even, even vocally mocked people who have done this. What did I do? I put the booster cables on incorrectly. And there was a spark and there was light all of a sudden for a few moments and now I had two completely dead vehicles. And I was thinking, oh no, what do I do? Not knowing a lot about cars and thinking, ooh, I think this is serious. I may have gotten into some serious trouble on both vehicles in doing something like this. And I phoned a friend and I uh, defriended him after the conversation because he said a lot of things to me. He says, oh, you probably fried the computer, the alternate. And he's giving me this whole list. And I'm like, you're like one of Job's friends. Not a lot of help here. And so I quickly hung up and then I phoned another friend and said, hey, can you come and give me a boost? And, uh, and he and his wife were on their way to the same small group function. They came and I did not touch it. I let them do the boosting and we were well on the way and thankful without any real serious issues to have to contend with. But sometimes in life, we need to give our batteries a boost, right? And, and, and you can boost it properly and you can get it going, but you can boost it improperly and you can be in trouble. And at times, I think in so many different ways, I share that with you because our lives are like spiritual batteries at times, that, that our batteries in life, they become weak, they get drained, they become old, they're dying and, and, and maybe even dead. There's not a lot of juice left in, in them and, and you just think, can is this thing even working anymore? Is there any hope for it? And, and, and we get our batteries drained, our spiritual battery, batteries drained because of the 
spiritual battles that we're in because we're waging war against the world and the flesh and the devil and the battle is real and we get worn down and we get weak and the devil is a part of that whole thing just to try to bring discouragement or, or, or trying to get us distracted or tempted into areas of sin or wasting our time. And in the midst of, of life and the battle and desiring to live for the Lord and the distraction that happens, we get busy with so many different things and, and, and it just seems like our struggle continues and we struggle with areas of sin. It seems we can't get victory. We, we sin, we repent, we repeat that sin and it's this cycle of ongoing struggle and, 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 and it just seems so useless and you think, oh, oh, oh wicked man, oh, oh sinful man like Paul, oh wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this? I just cannot find the victory. We may even be reading the word. We may be worshiping the Lord and, and, and serving Him and, and, and doing all of the right things. We're going to, to, to spending time in group life with other believers. We're being challenged. We're, we're praying for and with one another. And yet we wonder, where's the power? What's going on in my life? How come I can't get the victory? I'm tired of faking it and just going through the motions. Anyone ever experience this in their life or is it just me? So what do you do? And we think, I need a spiritual boost. I need someone to come and I need the booster cables to be put on and I, I, I need a shot of life. I need a shot of energy. I need a new direction. I need, you know, and, and so we turn to different things and, and these aren't bad things. Maybe it's like if I read this book about reigniting my spiritual life or, 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 or listen to some podcasts from some great preachers that are available and, you know, or maybe I need to go to a retreat or a conference and, man, I trust that you sign up for the men's conference because it will be amazing and yet, so we think if I do this, if I do this, this conference or I go to a Holy Spirit retreat, something might happen and, and I hope that it does or, 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 or maybe we get back into the reading plan in God's Word because we've been kind of getting, you know, we started the new year. We started that plan with so much fervor and excitement and dedication, but we've kind of given up. And so I'm like, and you get back into reading or, you know, I'm going to sign up for a small group. I, you know, I, I need others around me to strengthen, encourage, to help me to learn and grow and for me to also give to, give to the others in the group. And I'm going to sign up for a small group. Or maybe you're going to commit to attending the small group that you actually signed up for because you've been drifting away from that and you think, I've got to get on this. Now, now, what we're talking about, all of these different things, they're good things, they're great, and they can be great boosters to help us, they're great disciplines, but what we're wanting for and what we're needing is not just more busyness and more activity, not more get on the spiritual treadmill and just trying to start to do more. What we need is more of Him, more of His power, more of His fullness, more of His presence in our lives. That we'd be fully and truly and deeply satisfied fully in God. That, when that is happening in our lives, everything changes. Everything changes. Look at Psalm 63. Before you uh, turn to Matthew 6, you may want to turn there, but I will also have this up on the screen for you to be able to, to follow along and, and to read here. Just listen to the. This is the heart cry of David. A man after God's own heart, a sinful man, but a broken man, a confessing man, and a man that God used in an incredible way. Listen to his heart in Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. 
Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and a weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Behold, your steadfast love is better than life. My lips praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. And here is David in this psalm just expressing this fullness in this presence with the Lord. And where is he at? When you study this, where is he at? He's in the wilderness. He's literally living in the wilderness. He's running for his life. Commentators aren't 100% sure. They believe it was either when King Saul was after him or his own son Absalom was chasing him and hunting him down. He's not in a great place physically. It's hard, it's tough, he's on the run. He's confused because his life, his plans have not gone in the way that he thought. He's in this desert, in this dry place, and yet he's in a great place with God. It's not dependent on circumstances. He's in this great place, even though he's in this dry and this weary land. He's clinging to God. He's worshiping God. In the middle of the night, he's not wrestling and and full of fear. Instead, he is resting in the goodness. And as it says, in the watches of the night, I remember my God. And I remember that he is with me. And maybe you're sitting here and say, I could use some of that right now. How do I get there? How do I get to this point in my life? I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the same old, same old. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, in the three verses we're going to look at today, tells us and teaches us of how this relationship that David had with God can be accelerated in our lives. A deep, soul-satisfying experience with God. Not just a one-time boost but an ongoing presence in our lives. And whether it's having our prayer strengthened and experiencing God's power and provision, His deliverance or His protection, His guidance in our lives, His healing, touch upon our bodies, the victory that He promises, His provision, all of these things are are promised for God's people in His Word. We're being able to Just be able to experience and express a love for God. God has given us a powerful spiritual resource for depleted lives. And as I said, it's not just a one-time boost to get us going again. It can be used to get us going again, but a deepening, soul-satisfying experience day in and day out in the fullness of what God has for us. It's a desperate measure, what we're going to talk about today, for desperate times among those who know themselves to be desperate for God. And I wonder today, are we truly desperate for God? Look around our land that we live in. Are we in a dry and a weary land? Just watch the news north and south of the border on a weekly basis. Our nations are in a mess, politically, morally, ethically. 
Add to that we're seeing churches that are emptying and, and spiritual apathy within our lives and within churches and denominations. We look at Christian leaders filled with pride and not willing to humble themselves before God. Even in our own headspace, the spiritual lukewarmness and the apathy and the struggles and the battles that we're facing, that, that if you could somehow, if someone could open up your mind and, and, and be able to read or understand what is going on, you wouldn't want them to because they would be, you would think they'd be shocked by what is actually playing out in my mind, in, in a person's mind on a given day. It can be scary. It can be very dark. Our own minds filled with discouragement or depression or just cynicism, anger. You think, what's the hope? What's the hope that we talk about, that we read about in God's word, that I see that other people seem to have, but I don't? And so with that, with, there's a weariness and there's a waywardness and this spiritual lukewarmness and this apathy that's, that's, that's just kind of following our lives. Maybe it's physical sickness. Maybe it's spiritual oppression. Jesus says there's hope. There's hope. This past week in our small group among the men during the prayer time was a special time with our men in praying together on our knees before God. And this was a prayer. God, we're sick and tired of being sick and tired. God, we want more of you. We want more of you. We're tired of going through the motions. And I wonder today, are you in that place? Is there a hunger? Is there a desire for more of God? And yet you don't know what to do. Maybe today you're in a good place and we want to rejoice with you. But just wait till next week or the following week because we know life is a battle. And the enemy, when we're in a high place, is going to try to knock us down and bring discouragement and throw us down the cliff. He will try anything. And so this is something that is so important that we're going to be talking about here I wonder, is there a hunger for God in our lives? Or are we honestly satisfying ourselves by nibbling so long and so wide and so deep at the table of this world that our lives and our souls are so stuffed with small things, not even bad things, but just not the right things for us, that there's no room for the great and soul-satisfying fullness of God? Well, the discipline that we're going to be talking about and, and the subject we're talking about has been the practice of God's people for thousands of years. We don't hear much about this subject, and in fact, very rarely do you hear a whole sermon on this, and, but this is one of the joys about preaching verse by verse through passages in the Word of God is you've got to tackle it all. And this is a missing gem that we so oftentimes skip over. This is a missing practice or a discipline that, that God uses and calls us to do in order to find a strength in him that we cannot get any other way. Yet we so often ignore this practice, and, and maybe it's because of ignorance. We don't understand it. There's not a lot of teaching, and we don't talk about it that much. And, and there's reasons why we don't talk about it, and yet we need to talk about it. We need to challenge and encourage one another in, in this area. Or maybe we think it's for the super spiritual. It's for, for the pastors and Christian leaders. It's, it's for, you know, like monks or Puritans or, or, or those people who wrote the Bible. They, they ought to be people who do this. But no, what we're talking about today is for the weak. It's for the needy. It's for normal people like you and me. 
And so these three verses we're going to look at here today in this Sermon on the Mount, this amazing sermon that Jesus was given, there's a promise that comes with it. That when it is done rightly, when it is done properly with the right heart, it says God will reward. He's not going to think about rewarding us. He will reward us. Those are powerful words. And so let's start here, starting in verse 6, 16 of Matthew chapter 6. Verse 16, it says, and when you fast, okay, we're going to stop there. That's what we're talking about here this morning. If you've been wondering, some of you maybe already looked ahead and said, what are we talking about? Are you read in the e-news? Oh, this is what we're talking about here this morning. So we're talking about fasting. So, so fasting, so, so that's what we're going to be talking about. You built all of this up to talk about fasting? Yes. Isn't that something that a person does before certain medical exams or tests or surgery? You know, you're supposed to fast. You're supposed to just only drink water or maybe a, a total fast. Or, or is it one of those new health crazes that is, you know, kind of popular again? It kind of comes and goes and kind of thing. And, and there's actually a lot of medically uh, documented benefits to fasting, to, to going without food, to, to, to going without certain liquids or to drinks or certain different fasts that are available. It, are you talking about weight loss, Melvin? Are, are you saying I'm gaining a few pounds and, and maybe I should do some fasting? Well, that can be a side benefit of fasting, but, but again, that's not the purpose or the goal of biblical fasting. But there is an elimination of waste that ends up taking place when a person does fast. Those are some of the reasons that we often attribute to fasting, but biblical fasting is different. And I'm going to give you a definition of biblical fasting so that I trust that, that, that you may even want to write this down or, or take a picture of this on the screen. Here's what John Piper, his definition of fasting is, and it's a good one. Fasting is, tempor is a temporary renunciation of something that is in itself good, like food, in order to intensify our expression of need for something greater, namely God and his work in our lives. So biblical fasting is a God-given discipline that declares in so many ways, and, and, and again, just to give an understanding of this, it is a declaration of the person who is fasting, who is saying, God, I am more hungry for you than food. I am more hungry and desperate for you than anything else in this world because our food cravings are such strong cravings that we have in our lives. I'm more hungry for you than, than food, oh God. Now, now, fasting just doesn't have to be food because there will be some of you here like, I can go the whole day and, and the whole day goes by and guess I'm fasting. Oh, how spiritual am I? No, I mean, that for some of you, you can go through the whole day. You get busy and it's not a big deal. You can go maybe, I've heard some people going a couple days like, oh yeah, I forgot to eat. I was busy and it just wasn't a big thing. Well, fasting just doesn't have to be for, from food. Martin Lloyd-Jones, pastor, said this, fasting should really be made to include abstinence from anything any good thing for the sake of some special spiritual purpose. And so other things that fasting could or may include could, could, could be a fast from our phones. Oh, I'd rather give up a, a meal or a whole day of meals than give up my phone. No, maybe it's give up your phone for a day. Give up social media for a week. 
Maybe it's Netflix or some hobbies or some activity. Maybe it's watching the news, reading a newspaper, you know, those things that tells the news that are about a day old that, that you get delivered to your door and, yeah, those, those old things. And, you know, or, or just um, reading the news online or, or whatever it is. Paul even said in 1 Corinthians 7 that married couples at times could or should actually refrain from sexual activity in order to seek after God. And so fasting can be more than, than just food. Now, it's kind of timely and kind of interesting. All of a sudden, I thought, oh, when does this start? And it starts this next week. There's this thing called Lent that uh, is rooted in, in the Catholic Church that, that many people will partake of. It's the 40-some days leading up to Easter. And it basically is kind of where a person gives up something for these 40-some days, like certain food or interest or hobby or something or, or some sort of, you know, some people will see like, oh, I'm going off of uh, Facebook for Lent or, you know, and, and, and so it... It's one thing to, to practice something like that, taking, taking the time to, um, you know, in, in a discipline of just turning away from something like this. But, in, but that's not necessarily, and it usually isn't fasting, it's just more of a discipline. Biblical fasting is when we take and turn that hunger, that craving, that thing we're going without in order to turn it towards a spiritual purpose a greater growing hunger and yearning for God. Lent basically becomes just an exercise in personal discipline. But biblical fasting is a temporary refrain from anything that might be good, that, that God through His Spirit has laid on us that, hey, this is something you need to consider. This is something you need to stop for a certain period of time to seek God with extra fervor in our lives. It's an intensifier, fasting is, of spiritual desire. It's a way of saying, God, I love you more than blank, whatever it is. And God, I want you to satisfy me richly in ways that this cannot. And we run to so many different things for our comfort. Let's face it, our food offers a lot of comfort, doesn't it? Our lives revolve around food. I mean, probably a lot of you have already thought ahead to what this day looks like and what you're going to have for lunch and maybe what you're going to do for dinner later on tonight. And our lives, I mean, eating is a big deal and, and eating is a good thing. And it's going to be one of the first things we get to do in heaven, praise the Lord. A great big feast is going to happen. And, and food offers comfort and strength and, and satisfaction and pleasure and and. And yet it's kind of funny, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 19, he talks about people who their God has become their belly. Well, that's North America, isn't it? Our lives are ruled by our, uh, by our bellies in so many different ways. We find so much satisfaction. We hear this word comfort food. I saw somebody post a picture on, on social media just the other day of some meatballs that they made that their mother-in-law made and like, mmm, comfort food on a cold, it was in Alberta, cold Alberta afternoon and it was cold there this week. Uh, we think it's cold here, we, uh, whatever. And, and, and so, you know, we, I mean, the crazy thing is you can be sitting here right now and if you get the munchies, you could actually order food right here to your chair through skip the dishes. Go on your phone and skip the dishes or whatever other kind of service that is out there. And I was actually thinking of having someone deliver me a pizza during the message, but I thought that would be too distracting. But we could do that. I mean, food is just at our fingertips, literally, isn't it? It's so amazing. Oh, food is so good. I mean, we take pictures of food. We post it. We pin it. We tweet it. We do all of these different things. And, you know, just like I did this week, you know, guilty is charged, you know. I mean, this amazing thing happens. 
happened. Some, uh, one of the ladies in the church dropped by this bucket, now empty bucket of egg salad sandwich material, and combined with one of my wife's homemade buns, I just, I had to post a picture. I just had to share it. I didn't share any of the egg salad or the sandwich, of course. Even that little mess on the desk, I got in a little trouble for something. Don't you use a plate? I'm like, no, I can lick that, no problem. You know, and I mean, that is just instant goodness all over there. Mm, mm, mm. And, and so we post pictures and, 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 and we take our food so seriously and we, we, we want everyone to know about this meal we just, awesome, look at this meal I just made or what my wife made or my husband made or my kid made or, you know, whoever it might be, you know. And, 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 and we've gone a little food crazy. This past week, kind of, again, great timing. I read about a fight that broke out in an all-you-can-eat buffet down in Alabama uh, over some crab legs, uh, believe it or not. It, it was between two gluttons, or I mean two pa- patrons that were waiting in line for more crab legs to be brought out. And, and like 10 minutes were going by, and the lineup was getting longer because everyone wanted crab legs. And finally, they brought out the crab legs after having to wait like 10 minutes. Can you believe it? And, and, and so they came, and, and this... Uh, off-duty police officer overheard this clanging and tongs. They, two, two men took tongs after each other. It sounded like a sparring match as they were sparring with one another and one of them was actually injured in the head and both of them charged over some stinking crabs for crying out loud. Can you believe how serious we take our food? Don't get in the way of a man and his crabs, I'm telling you. And, and you know, so important. We are so food crazy, so obsessed, and the thought of even just skipping a meal, like who would do that? I mean, I got hunger pains. I've got to do something about it. I mean, to skip food, skip a meal a day, that's just unfathomable. Multiple days, are you kidding me? How, how could you ever live? And yet fasting is a way of turning to God. And it's a very real way of turning to God and asking him to fill us and to satisfy, and when those hunger pains come, that we would direct that hunger to God, would you fill me more of you, more of your presence, more of your power. We're gonna see what some of the rewards are in in a few moments. And all through the word of God, we see God's people fasting, in personal fasts, in corporate fasts. We see fasts that, that would happen regularly throughout the year for God's people in the Old Testament as well as then special day of fasting that would be called for God's people. There were partial fasts and complete fasts. There were fasts that would land, that would go from sunup to sundown. There was fasts that would take place over multiple days, up to even 40 days as we see in the Word of God. And so now we're back to our passage. We're going to get through this passage of these three verses. At the rate we're going, we're going to be here a very long time. Uh, so, but it's okay. If you get hungry, just remember you're fasting during this, this time, all right? So, um, so back to 16. When you fast, Jesus said. Just, just another side note here. Jesus never commands us to fast. This isn't a command. Thou shalt fast. Just so you know that this isn't, it's voluntary In the New Testament, we see this was a voluntary action, but also an assumed action, an assumed discipline in the lives of the followers of Christ. And we'll see that in in the book of Acts a little later on. I just want to give you a few things that fasting is not, just to be really clear on this, as clear as I possibly can be. Fasting is not a way to force or to try to twist God's hand. I fasted, so God, come through. I went a whole day without food. No, you take care of me in this area. It's not like that. It's not to manipulate God. God is not obligated, obligated to answer any of our prayers. 
and yet we draw near to him and God answers our prayers. And one of the greatest ways that our prayers are answered is we come to understand his plan and his will for our lives in a greater way. Fasting is not like a magic bullet that will get us to God or get answers or get, get us through a difficult time simply because we fast. Nor is fasting a means of salvation. I want to, be, again, be clear on this. Fasting does not earn you right standing with God. It doesn't pay for your sins. It doesn't pay or cover your sins. Only faith in Jesus Christ and repenting of our sins and believing in, in the work of his shed blood that we're going to do a little later on here can forgive us of our sins. And it's not by partaking of this. It's, it, it's by understanding that his shed blood, his broken body, paid the sin penalty for us. Fasting does not earn you right standing with God, even though there are some religions uh, that do believe that. Like Muslims take, for example, they will fast during the month of Ramadan. They will fast uh, during daylight hours. They cannot eat during daylight hours from sun, sunrise to sunset. No food that they would eat for that month of Ramadan that takes place. And in order to be a true, a real Muslim, you must fast during Ramadan. Biblical fasting is not like that. It's not a command, but it is greatly encouraged and it is assumed thing that soon assumed discipline in the follower of Christ. So now back to our text. We're going to read all three verses, so we buckle up. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And so this passage in here, we see Jesus describing to us the two rewards that come from fasting. And, and, and so there, there's two, two rewards that Jesus uh, tells us about that, that results from fasting. The reward number one is fasting so others will see and be impressed. By the time that, that Jesus was sharing this and, and, and the Pharisees had developed the practice of fasting that, that turned out kind of like anything else spiritual that they ever touched. They turned it into legal bondage. They turned it into a way to be heard and to be seen. Just earlier in this chapter, he talks about giving. He talks about uh, earlier about prayer. And, and again, how the Pharisees were just making a big stink about it to everyone so they would see them, see, see how spiritual and how holy and how wonderful. And, and, and the Pharisees were doing that with fasting as well. And so they would generally fast two days a week and, and they would make it a big deal. They would walk around with this, oh, what are you eating? Oh. oh, I'm fasting today, but oh, I just feel God's power in such a growl. And, and so they would look gloomy, and, 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 and even I read that they would even put ashes on their face to signify mourning and sadness and grief. And again, just so everyone could say, oh, they're fasting, how holy, how spiritual. So they would do that sort of thing, and Jesus is saying, yeah, don't do, the, do that. They were doing it for a show, so people would know, so people would see and go, Wow! How spiritual, how holy are they? Twice a week, that's amazing. Jesus says, don't, be, don't, don't do it for that reason. Don't be like the hypocrites. And he says, they've already received their reward. They've already got what they're going for. They're getting the praise of others. They're getting the accolades. They, they have a whole team of people in their community who think, wow, they're so holy. They're so spiritual. It's not a lasting reward. That does mean, doesn't mean much over time. It means very little. But so oftentimes, folks, isn't that just a craving within us? We want people to see us. 
We want people to see how spiritual we are and, you know, and, and, you know, we want others to celebrate our piety. And yet Jesus, he says, yeah, if you fast in this way so others will see it, it will work, you will be rewarded, but it won't last, it won't satisfy, and you won't have any power from God because you're doing this. There, that's your reward. The praise of man. Good job. So Jesus is saying, hey, when you're fasting, don't do it for the praise of man. Desire to do it in secret. Yes, people will find out that you're actually doing it, but it's not in a way that's promoting you in that way. When fasting is done right, God says that he will reward. You see, Jesus says there's a greater and a deeper award, reward that, that awaits us. And so that takes us to reward number two. You see it in verse 17 and 18. We see that God rewards fasting. God himself. This is much greater than the approval of others. This is God's approval. God rewards those who fast rightly before him. And he says in verse 17, But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. There's a promise to this. He says he will reward. I encourage you to underline in your Bibles. That's a promise. That's something you go to the bank on. Jesus is saying basically look normal, shower, do your hair, make sure you don't have any dirt on your face that resembles anything like ashes and go about your day like you normally do. Go so that you're not being noticed in, 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 in any way possible. Don't fast to impress others. Fast to gain reward from God. And what are the rewards that he gives? What are the rewards? How does God reward those who fast and seek him in this way? Well, the text here in Matthew doesn't tell us exactly what those rewards are, but we see the rewards all throughout Scripture. So we're going to just do a little study here, and we're going to see some of the rewards and the results that come from true fasting. And it's all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. We'll see this, but we're going to park in Isaiah 58, and if you want to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 58, because here God is talking uh, through the prophet Isaiah on a fast that does not honor God in the first number of verses, but then the result and the rewards of true fasting in verses 6 to 8. And I'd encourage you to read the rest of that entire chapter um, this week. And so verses 6 to 8 re- uh, of Isaiah 58 gives us the results and the true blessing of true fasting. And a fast that truly honors the Lord, in verse 6, I'm going to read here, it says, Is it not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless, homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall, speed, shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. So what's Isaiah saying here in these verses? In layman's terms, this is what he's saying. Stop filling your face and get on your face before the Lord. And when you do, with a heart that is truly seeking after God and what He offers, His glory, His power in our lives, hear 
are some of the results and rewards. Encourage you, there's seven things we see here in this passage, and we see it labeled in all throughout Scripture. But first of all, the first area, result, reward of true fasting is, number one, victory over sin. Verse six, to loose the bonds of wickedness. You know that cycle I talked about earlier? Sin, repent, sin, repent, sin, repent, and it just continues to keep going? When there's fasting that focuses on the glory and the holiness and the might of our God, accompanied with a brokenness and a repented heart for our sins, like we read in Joel 2, write down Joel 2, when we, when we repent, when we come to God in that sort of a way, in brokenness over our sins, the bonds of wickedness can be broken once and for all. Victory is available from our God. Those struggles, those battles that we face, there's victory over sin as we seek God in a heart in this way. Number two, heavy burdens can be broken. Look at where it says in verse six, undo the straps of the yoke. A yoke was a heavy burden that was placed on an animal, on an oxen, and, 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 and our God is the one who can break those heavy burdens that rest upon our lives. To break the bonds of depression, addiction, unbelief, and fear. Satanic strongholds in our lives that have such a grip on us. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus drives out some evil spirits out of an individual. And the disciples said, oh, how come we couldn't do it? We weren't able to do it. And, and Jesus turned to them and said, hey, some of this can only happen through prayer. And in the King James Version, it says through prayer and through fasting. Through earnest prayer, accompanied by fasting, heavy burdens can be broken once and for all. Hebrews 11 says that God rewards those who casually seek Him. Is that right? God rewards those who diligently seek Him. And fasting is one of those ways we can diligently seek Him and He rewards us. It can be through they're broken, burden, seem burdens that are broken in our lives. And some of this won't be instant. And yet his grace will be sufficient in that journey. And some of those burdens can be broken like that through the supernatural power of God. Number three, for revival and soul winning. Look at where it says, let the oppressed go free. In the Old Testament, when a nation of Israel had sinned and was in the midst of a trial and in the midst of disaster and crisis. They had turned their backs upon God when they declared a fast and the people got right before God. We see God breaking through and God answering and God meeting their needs. And we see how God responds. Are we in a crisis in our nation? Are we in a crisis in the church in Canada? I just was sent a few weeks ago the podcast from a Bible school once known to be a strong Bible school in Western Canada, where they had a teacher teaching the students about sexuality, claiming that anything between consenting adults, consenting adults according to the Word of God is fine. This is being taught in a Bible school. 
And we see the moral slide within our churches, within theology and biblical belief and patterns. We see it in the morals and the ethics and our politics. I, was, I, I still am, as you all are, so confused about that hearing that we saw. This. Who's telling the truth? Who's lying in both Canada and the United States? And people can swear under oath and they can say, I'm not lying. And they are. And we just see this mess. What is the hope for our nation in Canada? What's the hope for the United States? Better politics better politicians to, 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 to throw some in jail and to elect other ones. No, the answer is through revival, through God's people seeking him and he rewards, he sets the oppressed free through fasting and seeking him. How about soul winning? Do we long to see people come to Christ? Are we satisfied and okay with the understanding that people are going to go to hell if they don't turn to Jesus Christ? Have we fasted and prayed over the lost? Do we fast and pray over for a revival in our land? Every move of God that has ever taken place in the Bible and throughout church history has happened because God's people prayed and accompanied so oftentimes and every time and a lot of times you find out in secret in little ways here and there, God's people fasting, getting serious before God. Number four, for God's provision. Verse seven talks about God supplying food for the hungry. Is there an area of provision that you have in your life? In the lives of others? In your, in your work, in your finances? Areas where we need God's provision within the life of the church? Areas we need deliverance or his protection? All, all things are provided from our God and he, he desires to reward his children. And that's even with physical provision. We can look at certain situations and say, oh, there's just no way. There's no way this could happen. Yeah, but have we sought God through prayer and through fasting? Oh, we pray about it like for two minutes every day. But do we ever take time to fast, to pray, to meet with others, to call on others, to, to join us in fasting and prayer over this need in our lives, over the unsaved, over this issue that we're facing or struggling? Number five, for wisdom and decision-making. It says, then shall your light break forth like the dawn. We are to fast to seek God when it comes to decision-making. I'm so appalled at so often times when I hear of people who are making major decisions to move, to not move, to take a job, to not take a job, to, to, to possibly marry a marriage partner. And you say, well, are you praying about it? And I'm like, well, not really. I pray a little bit, but, you know, I, I've got a lot of wisdom. How arrogant when we can go to the ultimate source of wisdom, we fast for major decisions that we're facing in our lives. God will shed light. He will give us the wisdom. We see that Jesus, what did he do in preparation for ministry? He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He knew he needed to be in the right place before he got involved in the ministry that God had appointed him towards, even though he is almighty God himself. We see his humility. We see his preparedness in the New Testament in the book of Acts in chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 13, 14. We see throughout God's word that we see that individuals, churches, groups fasted and prayed. In, in chapter 13 of Acts, we see after prayer and fasting, Paul and Barnabas were sent out on a missionary journey and church planting venture that turned the world upside down. Incredible gospel fruitfulness as a result of prayer and fasting and being sent out. In chapter 14 of Acts, 
They were installing elders in churches, just like, oh, that person, yeah, 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 seemed good, yeah. Another, I'm sure some training, but what did it say? Through prayer and through fasting. Before important life events, decisions, ministry opportunity, we ought to fast and pray. Call upon our friends, our small group. Hey, would you consider fasting with me? However God calls you to fast, would you fast and pray with me over this area in my life? I'm needing a breakthrough. I need to sense God's presence and power. I need God's direction. Do we do that? Do we humble ourselves before others and before God? Number six, physical health and healing. And it says, and your healing shall spring up speedily. When is the last time you prayed and fasted for spiritual healing? We pray for it, but are we praying and fasting for it? Just lately, I've just been almost bombarded with so many prayer items and, and, and the struggles of God's people physically cancer diagnosis and other illness and unsure about what is going on. We have some of those within our church family. We have some of those within our extended families and our blood families. We all have these situations and and God wants us to approach him in prayer but also in fasting knowing that God can instantly supernaturally heal if he so desires but that he also may use medicine and accompanied through doctor's wisdom and accelerate his healing or grant his peace and his presence in supernatural ways. Another way that result of fasting is for God's glory, the seventh one, and there's others, but this is, but this is kind of the important one that at the end of the day, it says, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. We fast to detach ourselves from our pride and from our arrogance and our self-sufficiency, thinking we can get through it, and, our, and we place our dependency upon God, and, and that ultimately He would be glorified. It, how He answers and when He answers and, 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 and the way that He does it, it's for His glory. His glory is the rear guard. It is our protection. It is what is accompanying our lives. Those are just a few of the Rewards and results of fast, fasting. Now quickly, as we bring this to an end and spend time in the Lord's Supper, I, I just want to give you a little further instruction on this. I'm calling it Fasting 101. You might want to write this down if you are serious about a growing and a deepening hunger for God in your life. First of all, make a plan. What will you be fasting from? For how long? I like what one pastor said. He said, don't bite off more than you can chew. Perhaps start with a meal, with two meals a day. Let God grow you in this. It needs to be spirit-led. Can't be like, I think I'm going to try that. No. Get before the Lord. His spirit will lead you and guide you as far as what you ought to do. What day works well with the calendar in, in your life in, in the course of a week or whatever it might be that it's not going to draw a lot of obvious attention to yourself. Or maybe it's a day that, that is, has been a struggle day for you, and instead of eating that day, you need to fast for a meal or two, day, two meals or for the entire day. So prayerfully seek God as far as what it is, that, um, what that fast might look like. Now medically, some of you, I mean, a little subnote in this is perhaps you need to see a doctor. Some of you aren't able to fast because of medical conditions or because of certain medications that you are on. And so you can't fast from food. And some, uh, in certain jobs you have, you, you need to be 
uh, eating, and you need nutrition and, and, and that, and, but there's other things that you can fast from. Is it from the phone? Is it from social media? Is it uh, whatever it is that you are, that is one of those areas in your life that you give up, that it's going to cost, it's going to like be noticeable throughout the day. You're going to keep grabbing for your phone, and every time you keep grabbing for your phone, you're going to be reminded of a hunger for God that, that whatever that phone can do, God can do so much more. Second of all, prayerfully determine the purpose. What are you fasting for? Is it a season of repentance? Is it a battling of sin in your life? Spiritual apathy? Is it for revival in your own heart, in your family, in our church, in our neighborhood, in our city? Praying for a breakthrough in some area, an area of struggle for you or for others, an area of healing for you or for others? So prayerfully determine the purpose. God will reveal that to you by His Spirit. He'll lay it on your heart. And then fill your time. Number three, what will you do instead of eating or being on your phone or whatever? Instead of social media or the newspaper, what are you going to be filling your time with during that time that you would normally be preparing food or eating food or on social media or whatever it might be? Make a plan. Reading the word, journaling, listening to worship, reading from some Puritans or, or, or some of the godly men and women from the past that, that can accelerate and encourage and bless you and remind you of how God has been so faithful and learn from others. Fill your time with what is good, but ultimately filling your time with prayer. And then f- fourthly, seek God's approval, not man's. Don't make a big deal about it. Don't announce it on the street corners. There's one thing about calling others to join you in fasting and prayer. It's at times you don't want to lie at work when someone says, hey, how come you're not eating today? You, you don't need to lie. But you can just graciously say, you know, I'm going without food for today. And for others, you can give a further explanation, if so be it, but in a way that keeps you humble before God and before man. And then fifthly, by faith, believe and trust God for Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. If you suffer through a fast, God will reward as you go through that. And if that reward is even simply receiving and experiencing just even a little bit more of God, would that be satisfying for you? I believe it would be. I believe to have more of God and his power and his victory and his strength in his life, it would be. But his rewards continue as we grow and as we develop in this area in our lives. He will fill. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for his will to be accomplished, to see his rightness happen on the face of this earth and in our own lives. He promises to fill. He will reward. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and ask the worship band to come. So we prepare for the Lord's Supper. Just love for us just to be kind of taking a few moments before we partake of the Lord's Supper because it's an instruction of God's word that we need to examine ourselves. But I really hope and I trust that today's message isn't, well, I guess I should get fasting then. No food for me today or for this week. Or Remember, fasting isn't a magic bullet. It's not roll the dice and hopefully God will come through with a winner for us. 
you know, give it a shot and see what happens. That's not what we're talking about. Please, please, please don't get this. Get that. It's about seeking the Lord. To hunger for Him. To replace those hunger pains for a hunger for Him that only He will satisfy. Loved ones, it's to come and to eat and to drink from Him, from the bread of life. To drink from the fountain of living water. It's coming to him and saying, I'm poor, but God, you are rich. I'm foolish, and God, you are wise. God, I'm broken, but you are whole. God, I'm dying, but your love is better than life. I encourage you to take time to confess that if you've been nibbling so long at the table of the world, become so stuffed with the small things that there's just no or little need in your life for the great things of God. Repent of that. Get on your face before him. Quit filling your face this week and get on your face before the Lord. If you're sick and tired of of being sick and tired, desire victory over that sin, over that stronghold, over that bondage, over that fear. So even this morning as we partake of the Lord's Supper, I trust that we'll be from hearts and from lives that are truly hungering for more of him. That today when you make that walk, say, God, I, I hunger for you more than anything. Help that to be so. God will honor that. When God sees this kind of a confession in the hearts of his people, as well as an expression of trust in him, he acts, he rewards. Because the glory of all of his all-sufficient grace is at stake, he will reward. The needs around us are great. The needs within us are huge. But we have a greater Savior, and he invites us to the table. This morning, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, as we begin, some prayer partners will be back behind the table, and they would love to pray with you if you would love to receive prayer just to share with them what, what is the area that you're trusting the Lord for. They would be more than happy to pray for you. But today as you make the walk, I encourage you to spend time examining your heart, confessing if you've been nibbling way too much in the wrong things, nibbling with idolatry, with sexuality that isn't biblical, battling with fear, with some sort of addiction, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, and and, and that, you, that today a walk of faith is going to start a new heart and a new desire and say, God, I want more of you and less of what I'm struggling with. And would you develop in me over the course of this week a life of fasting and prayer that would take me into new heights and new depths in my walk with you, God? Even now I pray for brothers and sisters here. I pray that with a heart of repentance but also a heart of faith we would hunger for you and that we would know that you are true to your word and you will fill, you will reward. And would you do that as we make the walk, this walk of giving thanks for the ultimate sacrifice that has happened. Jesus Christ shedding his blood.